Welcome everybody to Monday Night Live. My name is Derek Arden and today we're going to talk about managing change, particularly mm. managing change in 2022. I've got with me Nancy Lotes-Taylor. I've known Nancy for a long time from when I worked at uh, Barclays Management Training Centre at Ashdown Park. Uh, Nancy was a trainer there and we've, we've remained friends for a number of for a number of years, quite a lot of years actually, but uh, Nancy mm. won't let me tell you how many years that is. Um, three words to describe Nancy, professional, knowledgeable, and fun. Nancy was born in America, in, in the Midwest, obtained an MBA, uh, joined Bank of America, came to England, uh, worked for the Bank of America in London, found an architect, married him, and lives in the Surrey Hills, uh, which is a fabulous place where we go walking our dog sometime. Welcome, Nancy. And uh, Nancy, today we're going to talk about something which is really important, been going on for ages, going ever since the world began, but things seem to be hotting up as we go into 2022. Over to you, Nancy, Managing Change. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. And uh, good afternoon, everyone here in the uh, European time frame. Good morning, those of you from the States. Yes, yeah, so my session today is really about managing and, and adapting to change. And it's a subject in which I've done lots of work on leadership workshops, actually communication workshops and organizations and companies that are needed to help their people deal with change, whether they're going through mergers or demergers or um, you know, change of uh, direction, new business model, whatever, but also a lot in my coaching practice. And so some of what I'll be sharing today, I'm sure, many of you know, but it'd be a reminder for you. And I hope to share some nuggets that will get you thinking. And as always, what I like to do as a facilitator is to get all of you to be engaged. So I'll be asking you to participate today on the chat box. And also we're going to have one session of breakout room. Okay, everybody up for that? Thumbs up. Great. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to see it. Now I'm going to share my screen. Let's, here we go. So can everybody see that? Now, one thing I'm going to say, and I don't generally have to do this, but I've had a cold and virus recently, not the dreaded one. And so my pacing and my breathing might be a little slower at times. So I make sure I don't cough. All right, so please bear with me with that. But uh, I'm getting better, so that, that's why I had to postpone from last week. So my point today is really to, to talk about um, managing and adapting to change and addressing the challenges for yourself and for others. So some of this will be uh, for your use, but it's also maybe for your use with people that you work with as well. Okay, so next slide. Where's the next, there we go. Charles Darwin really summarized it best when he said, as you can see on screen, it's not the strongest of the species that survived, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. And have we had a lot of change recently? I started doing this work, oh, about eight years ago with some big corporations, um, global corporations around helping their people deal with change and it's only accelerated. So it's absolutely something that we all have to be aware of and deal with. 
So one of the things that um, we focus on, and I know some of the other facilitators have brought this up before, is about the VUCA world. So we live in what is really quite a VUCA world nowadays. We've got so many inputs coming into us from the news, from the social media platforms, from so many different directions that it really makes us feel, yes, the world is volatile things happening. And of course there are volcanoes going off all the time. We've had it three recently, one in Indonesia, one in uh, Spain and one in Hawaii. So yes, there is volatility out there of the volcanoes and all other sorts. The uncertainties. I was just talking to a lady at the weekend who had planned her 80th birthday party last year in May, May, 2020. And they were uncertain whether they were going to have it then, they didn't. They rescheduled it, they rescheduled it, they rescheduled it. I attended it last week. It was the fourth time, so much uncertainty. And of course, the complexity of modern life and all the information out there. Plus, do you know who to believe? You know, the ambiguity of things. So essentially dealing with change is what we all have to do now and perhaps more consciously than we did before. So the point is that in times of change, as Eric Hoffer nicely points out here, the learners inherit the earth. So while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. Now I know many of you have been in banking and boy has banking changed from the times when we started out whether in the late 70s, early 80s, to now other industries as well. You thought you had a, a career path in one particular part of the business and it changed and changed again and changed again. So we had to keep on our toes as learners. And so what, what I encourage you to think about is that if you develop a growth mindset, that can help too. Now, um, how many of you have ever heard of uh, Carol Dweck and her work on growth mindsets? So I can see one or two hands. I have not got the greatest view here. I could only see about three of you. Anybody else putting up, oops. Um, anyway, I just wanna see more of you, sorry. Let me, uh, there we go, I got, got a few more of you. So um, the point being that, that this idea that we don't aren't just fixed in what we know, we have the, capability of continuing to learn and continuing to appreciate things and continuing to develop our own capabilities. So that growth mindset is a lot about your beliefs in yourself. So two approaches that you can take. <clears throat> One is to be an agile learner. Wouldn't we all like to still be able to do that sort of thing if you ever were able to? And the second is to recognize your circles. So we'll go through those two so you can appreciate what's going on there and, and uh, investigate for yourself, okay? Um, so the point being, what's an agile learner? Well, there are two kinds of learning that we've identified here. And um, there we go, the traditional and the agile. So rather than having you shout out various things to me, what I'd like to invite you each to do is to go onto the chat box and put, first of all, T for traditional, and put, what do you think are the characteristics of a traditional learning or a traditional learner? What are some of the things that you might expect from the traditional? 
Okay. When um, I'm coaching young people in business, many times they've come from a great educational background. They've got top scores. They've, you know, gotten great degrees. They've gone very much down the traditional learning path. But when they get to work, it's very interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. Very interesting. They expect the same rules to apply. Excuse me. So what have we got here? Somebody said left brain, yes. So in the classroom, somebody else said textbooks. Absolutely, look at that stack. Taught in a classroom. Oh my God, hasn't that gone through a change recently? I have some personal friends that are teachers and wow, what used to be classroom is now virtual classroom. Someone tells you how to do it. Absolutely, you know, in terms of what's it's being told, it's being shown, uh, that sort of approach. You have an instructor reading widely, yes. Getting formal qualifications, absolutely. And so it's getting those, um, the textbook, um, the textbook, you know, uh, based and also getting those formal qualifications. Becoming an expert is on the list too, in terms of, you know, becoming qualified. So it's perhaps having, deep knowledge, not broad knowledge. So it's really um, perhaps something that's a little more narrow in scope, okay? And so it's being taught, oh, I love this overhead projector. God, I can remember the days of the overhead projector, can't you all? Um, I know that some are still used, but there is moder more modern equipment now too. And yes, having a syllabus to follow. Absolutely, so you guys have nailed it more than I've got there. Um, Analytical skills, problem solving skills, and somebody that gets top grades, yes, the traditional learning. Now, what about agile learning? So give me an A for agile. And what would that sound like to you? Or what would that be like for you? Somebody that's doing agile. I like this, Nigel. Anytime, anywhere, using a variety of learning styles. It's like that Mart martini advert from the uh, 80s, yes. Uh, online, going and finding what you need to know, finding people to ask. It's absolutely a, um, a way of asking how and why things work. It's really based around a lot of curiosity. Oh, I like this. Derek, have you seen? Somebody said Monday Night Live. Uh, <laughs> my friend Michael Alara, fantastic. Self-directed and intuitive. Um, so it's more learner-driven. I agree with you, Jill. Uh, and watching and learning from others, yes. But it's getting lots of input from different places, being very resourceful and resilient. Um, perhaps being open to feedback too there in terms of what's going on, watching and learning from others, but also getting others to share with you. So yes, blended learning is a part of it too. And Paresh says less textbook, absolutely less textbook. So it's much more agile, of course, in terms of the way it's uh, said there. And of course, one, one has to think about uh, perhaps using more emotional intelligence in the learning. So you might be talking to other people and, and taking an appreciation from other people, which Alex just said, yeah, peer groups. So it's less structured, that sort of thing. So yes, you very much got the, the picture there on that one. And um, it's also about observation and comparing. So it's not always doing the things in the one way, perhaps comparing what's been done in other functions, other industries, other people, other parts of the world, other cultures, whatever, so that you can um, uh, incorporate that in. 
uh, and learning on the go. So these lunch and learn walks. Now, who does lunch and learn walks, Nigel? That sounds interesting. Um, yeah, well, tell me a little bit about that, just a moment. Okay, <clears throat> what I tend to do is to download a podcast and then go for a walk, perhaps have a bite or going to somewhere a little bit more sort of scenic and just sit, relax, listen, tune into the environment and absorb what the learning is. And I find that really invigorating. And when you come back, you've then got lots of notes, lots of questions. And sometimes hearing the same podcast two or three times, you oh, learn wow. something different each time. Yeah. So I would advocate it. Yeah, no, that's a great, great way to do, to take learning. And that's what's so amazing about our modern world with all the communications resources that we have but sometimes it's almost too much. So it's being able to curate it or to find somebody that recommends. So when somebody recommends a podcast, that's particularly useful. And maybe Derek, you ought to have a recommended podcast um, as part of Money Light. Oh, I have Monday actually, uh, my, my 120 podcasts, which is Monday Night Live are all on Spotify if you search for me. So yep. there's 120 for people to go through first. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> 120 hours worth almost. Yeah. Okay. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, Eva, I like that. The university in your car. So as you're commuting, perhaps, or going to meetings, you can, in fact, listen to new information in your car. Absolutely. Great. So you get the you get the point here. The the point isn't that that we want you all to be agile learners and forget being traditional learners. The point here is to actually know there's going to be a time for traditional learning and a time for agile and it's getting the balance right so it's some you, you may have to unlearn some habits that you have from the traditional learning or uh in fact um you know add in some new ones from the agile but that's one of the uh, areas to absolutely consider now the second approach to uh, explore is what i'm going to call um your circles Okay, now I know all of you know of uh, one of the founders of really personal development and helping people, uh, Stephen Covey. And I think, Derek, did you have the book to hand? <laughs> my Debbie, my Debbie McGee. Are. Here's yeah. my Debbie McGee showing you one. Uh, okay. So part of the service. Uh, Stephen Covey came up with this model, and it's a great model around um, how you can consider a situation. Uh, and I use it a lot in coaching and also in leadership work. So uh, what can you control? If you can't control it, what can you influence? And if you can't control or influence, what do you have to adapt to or evolve your thinking? So um, this is a model that I've used, as I was saying, with coaching, particularly when people come to me with a particular stressor, something that's bothering them, um, something they want to, you know, address and, and work together with me. And so we might use this model if it's appropriate. But let me just share a very simple example of how this can help you. Um, just, you know, a, a simple example. So let's think about um, your, you've got a great meeting coming up. Uh, you've uh, booked a time with a client. It's the first uh, deal you're going to do with this client. You're going to be signing the documentation today. You've got all the papers that you want to go to the meeting with them. Yeah, this is the when we can still meet with people. 
Um, and so you, you've given yourself, you think, okay, it could take me 45 minutes to drive there. So you've left yourself plenty of time. You've left an hour ahead of time and you get out on the motorway driving to go to this meeting. And lo and behold, somebody has been inconsiderate enough to have an accident. Okay, and you're stuck in a, a queue for the Americans on the call, a line and a, you know traffic's gridlocked and what can you do? You're not gonna make the meeting in the time that you thought. You thought you'd left a little bit of extra time, we all do as professionals, but it's out the window. So rather than sit there and scream obscenities in your car and bang the steering wheel and pull your hair out and swear some more, um, think about, well, what do I have control over in this situation? Well, I can't get the cars to move out of the way so I can carry on. Um, what I can control, first of all, is my, my mindset and attitude towards the situation and think, okay, we'll get through this. We'll still make it work. It's positive. Uh, what's under your control, perhaps to influence some people? Can you influence the police to clear the motorway quicker? Not really, but you could influence the client by calling them up and say, look, this is what I'm caught in. I'll be with you probably 15 to 20 minutes late. Can we put the meeting back a bit and influence them to do that? And otherwise you have to adapt and evolve your thinking to your situation. Okay, so that's just a simple example to bring to life this sort of uh, model. But of course, what I've experienced and what I, you know, working together with people, what when this model becomes particularly useful is when stress arise, arises and people feel like they've got that little tiny bit of control, uh, very little influence and in everything they have to adapt and evolve to. And they feel very stressed by that. And so that's the situation where you help people to get back that, get that control circle larger by helping them understand, well, what can you control in this situation? What more can you do to influence? Who are the players you can influence in the situation? And therefore, how are you going to have to adapt and evolve your thinking? So what we're thinking of here is we're going to do a breakout session now. Derek, you there? I'm yes. Sorry? I'm here. Yeah, yeah ready, ready to uh, put it into, into play. And what I'm going to ask you to um, uh, address is, in your team, so however many people you've got, one of you volunteers a current change you're dealing with or you've recently dealt with. Um, if I was in a breakout, I'd be talking about going through the renovation of my house in the last six months, which is thankfully finished by now, so just before Christmas. But in that, have a discussion about what did you engage in control or what can you engage in control with, whether it's a current one or one in the past, what can you influence and to what have you, do you have to evolve and adapt? And so as you one person volunteers and the rest of you ask questions, listen, uh, prompt them a bit on the discussion and bring back an insight from your group discussion, right? Okay, so that's uh, three questions, isn't it? What can you engage in control? What can you influence? And what do you have to evolve and adapt? I'm gonna open all all the rooms now you'll just have seven minutes so uh, you really need to go for it open all rooms and uh, off you go welcome back everybody and uh, it looks sounded like a really good sessions that were going on there and uh, back to you nancy yeah well andrew i think that uh, you've got to share some insights from your group first 
uh, if you don't mind, because John was saying that you were having some interesting conversation. So what I'd like, you know, just a couple of groups to share an insight that came from discussing that in regards to change, whether it's the actual process or just something that came out of the discussion. I'm very open to whatever comes up. Andrew, can you jump in? Yes, I'm sorry, I've lost lost video for some reason, but um, I well, we, we were just saying that um, uh, the, the, this pandemic has brought about a significant change to all of us, and in particular, the, the uh, decision that, that we work from home. Uh, I actually decided to make that change uh, some time ago, about in 2013, I think it really made the decision. Uh, and uh, I decided to close my office and uh, lose the staff and to do the whole of the, of, of the job myself rather than, than employing people. Uh, and I did that for the, the um, for the principal reason that that running a, running a small practice, which is, is a small architectural practice, which is what I was doing, um, meant that you you have you you pretty much have to accept every job that comes across mm -hmm. the threshold, whether you want to do it or not, whether you look like you're going to enjoy it or not, uh, and you do it simply to pay the bills. Uh, uh, I decided that that um, I, I I wasn't happy. Uh, just being a manager and an administrator of the practice and I wanted to get back to what I what I trained to do and so I actually closed the office down moved the practice to my home uh, and I now do the, the whole project from the from the initial meetings through to concept design and construction and also and, um, overseeing bit works on site and I'm much happier about it yes um, I was saying that that um it, it saved me about half a million pounds in costs per year, uh, which which meant that I didn't have to take on uh, as many projects in order to to, to earn a living. And, yeah. And, and above all, to uh, put me in charge of the, of the things so that uh, I could choose the projects that stimulated me and that I wanted to be involved with, rather yeah. than the ones where uh, you, you you just accept what comes across the threshold. Yeah, it's interesting, Andrew. Thank you for sharing that with me and the whole group. Um, I'm married to an architect, so sim very similar story because he was. He said he felt like dad to 25 staff and he never got to do the stuff he really enjoyed. He was mm -hmm. a manager and a leader of a team, you know, the team, but he never got to do the design work that he really wanted to do. So he did a similar thing, Andrew. Okay. And so basically, when you think about the control, you really expanded the control because you wanted to do what you wanted in terms of uh, what was going on with that control circle. Hey, don't get me wrong, there's, there's, uh, there used to be immense satisfaction walking through the drawing office when, when they were struggling to design things and you'd look over the shoulder and just say, if you do this, this and this, the thing will work. And, and, and you leave them and uh, uh, cussing because you, you've, you've managed to spot the thing that has stopped the, the design from evolving. So uh, there's a great satisfaction in that. Yes. But, but, but um, uh, it, 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 I, I think I think one of the things that um, I picked this up a lot from uh, my travels across the United States, where where people tended to work on their own from their homes with an advertising board out the front to say whatever they were doing, um, and and the the, the the geography of the place meant that that was probably necessary, uh, and and it just seems to me that. Uh, 
it, it's it's likely to be the way that we're all moving in this country and probably Europe too. Uh, and so it just felt like being a little bit ahead of the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah all... So you're you're the person in control of how you do it, you know. So you you made your own business model there, and it's yeah. working for you. That's great, Andrew. Could I have one more uh, insight from another team? Who would like to share one? Unmute yourself and doesn't have to be the whole story as Andrew gave us, just one nugget from your discussions. I can offer something. Great, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, um, for reasons of confidentiality, I won't say too much detail, but there were some health issues in the um, discussion and um, it's been particularly difficult in the COVID times, of course, to get any kind of healthcare help. And um, I think the idea has been to uh, to keep asking, so keep asking your GP. Mm -hmm. um, one issue was an, uh, an eyesight issue, so try different opticians until you can get a referral to get your problem sorted out. You might find there's somebody fresh out of training who's mm -hmm. much hotter on, yeah. on uh, referring you to get some um, to get some treatment. And also to uh, to to follow to to follow things like physiotherapy treatments or or um, to, or to take whatever medicine you're given and 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 then go back and say I've tried what you've given me can you give me something else that kind of approach yeah. so that's sure. that's influencing there's there's a certain there's waiting lists you can't you know you can't get around necessarily but you can you yes. can get healthcare professionals on your side yeah what I'm also hearing is taking control of your own health. It's a, a subject I'm very passionate about. And part of the work I do from change is also into resilience. And around resilience is your physical health as well as your emotional and mental well-being and various other factors. But being in charge of your own health, not just relying on them and the one answer they give you, but exploring other things. And that's really yeah, taking yeah. control of that. Great. Well, thank you for that, there. Chris. Great internet uh, research, and also um, we did share one or two ideas. So you know, again, talking to people, just talking to people, yeah. like like we do on a Monday night. Yeah. Nope. That's great. Thanks. Super. Okay. Right. Well, moving back to our um, to our presentation, uh, I just wanted to share a final a few things with you um, before we finish, because uh, Derek's Derek's giving me hand signals. Um, and so that was great. Thank you for sharing that, everyone. Um, and you can take that and share that model with members of your family, people that you uh, want to coach informally, formally, all sorts of situations, people you're helping with their businesses. This is really, uh, you know, a very, your flexible friend, shall we call it. Now I wanted to uh, just finish with a couple of uh, observations about change in our brain and uh, recognize that sometimes we want change, encourage it, it's positive, we're gonna get married, one hopes that's a positive change. And then sometimes we get changes uh, landed on us that we don't know is going to happen. The most recent one, of course, is COVID. Rewind to 2008, we had the financial crisis. There's always going to be those moments when change lands on us when we're not expecting it. And one of the issues that we have as humans is the way our brain works, because our brain, as you well know, is a very you know sophisticated, complex organ. But we still have within it some aspects that are, let's say, more basic or 
more general with the mammalian world rather than in the human world. And so one of the things that happens um, with our brain is the fact that when new information comes in, you're taking a new input, whether it's on this call or you know talking to somebody or going for a walk or anywhere, you're getting new information in, it goes through a part of our brain called the amygdala. Now, some of you will know about the amygdala. The amygdala is basically our security guard. So if it gets triggered that there's something that's a threat to us, it will cause us to fight or flight. So, you know, fight or flight is the, uh, you know, the standard sort of thing. Oh my goodness, is this a threat to me? Do I fight or do I run away? Now the amygdala, you know, works well for the zebra on the Serengeti and it works well for other mammals, you know, the deer in the woods up above where I live, but it also operates in our brain because it's still in there. Uh, this amygdala op operating as our security guard and triggering us if something is seen as a threat. Now, of course, in modern world, we don't have to worry anymore about lions and tigers and bears, oh my. We don't have those kind of threats, do we? So do we get triggered? Oh yes, we still get triggered. Do any of you remember the most widely publicized amygdala, amygdala hijack ever out there in the world? It happened in 2006. I know we've got a lot of football supporters on here. So what happened in 2006 on a football game where somebody had a total meltdown on the pitch, red card, sent off? Are you mean Sedane, yes. The World Cup final, Italy versus France. And supposedly, this is what happened, supposedly, is that Zidane went to one of the Italian players and there's, as they're walking on the pitch, uh, going, you know, there's a pause as there is in proceedings and said to one of the Italian players, oh, I'm, should we swap shirts at the end of the game? And the Italian player said, I'd rather swap shirts with your sister. And Zidane whacked him in the chest with his headbutt. Yeah. And got red carded and sent off. Now, what caused that? Well, that was an amygdala hijack. And so that Italian player threatened Zidane's family, basically. And that was a very basic threat. And he reacted in a very basic fight or flight way and therefore got sent off. And Italy took the World Cup, whatever it takes, huh? But the point is there are modern fact factors that trigger us, that make us want to put our fists through a computer like this. And some of the research that has been done recently by um, some people known as Lieberman and Eisenberger at UCLA, they've identified four different social threats that trigger us to have some sort of emotional response that might even get violent, put your hand through that laptop screen. And they're around these four different areas. And these are also the four different areas that have an impact with psychological safety in the work environment. And so this is a topic that I explore in much greater detail on leadership courses to talk about what can you do to make sure that you don't um, trigger people in your teams when you're going through change by some of these different factors. Things like the lack of security, not knowing what's going on, that uncertainty, the lack of choice, feeling like you're in a corner, can't do anything, so that control circle's gone right down. 
reputational impact in terms of, you know, you think you're not good enough or they're, you know, going to make you redundant. I mean, the whole redundancy thing comes right in there with reputational impact and that sense of unfairness. I have lived in Britain for 40 years and one of the great British values is a sense of fairness. And so people here get really triggered easily on that sense of unfairness. Something's got to be done. So those are the, some of the factors that can trigger us that we need to be aware of. So let me finish our session today with two further thoughts. I'd love to talk to you more. I told Derek I could do two days on this, but he said, no, you've got to do it in 45 minutes. Um, two further thoughts. Yes, change requires conscious use of energy in the brain. And the biggest user of energy in our bodies is the brain. Okay, it absorbs about 70% of our energy. And that's why when you're going through change, you need to manage your energy, manage your well-being, and being resilient uh, to help yourself support through change. And if you're a leader of a team or a group, helping them too. And I love Rosabeth Moss Cantor's quote, everything can look like a failure in the middle. So we just have to keep going because yes, to get to the success, we've got to work through it. Right, it's been my pleasure to work with all of you this afternoon. I'm gonna hand you back to Derek, but remember there's always change ahead. Nancy, thanks very much indeed. That was um, fantastic. And if you'd stop the screen share, that would be brilliant. Um, Nancy, um, if anyone's watching this on YouTube or they listening to this on the Negotiators podcast and they want to talk to you further, how do they get in touch with you? Oh, you can reach me through LinkedIn very definitely. I'm the only Nancy Lotes Taylor in the world on LinkedIn. Oh, so, wow. That's really special, then, isn't it? I thought yeah. there might be two or three, actually, as, as, no. as you mentioned it. Nope. So, um, no, that was brilliant and a brilliant breakout that you organised as well. So uh, thanks very much, uh, Nancy. And it, will you stay on uh, once I stop the recording? Sure. Fantastic. OK, everybody, look forward to seeing you next week when we've got our Christmas party. We've got all sorts of people registered already. So make sure you get your registration in early because numbers will be limited. And I look forward to uh, seeing you next week uh, for the final uh, final session of uh, 2021. Thanks for joining us.